All right, this is the final message in our Anything Goes series. And so we're almost done. Somebody say, aw. Somebody say, I'm secretly excited. Uh, yeah, that was a test. Yeah, so some, some people, it's like, oh, we've been in here for a while. This is, I think, week seven or week eight of answering questions that you all submitted, other people submitted, people from Instagram and Facebook submitted that the, the people wanted to hear addressed in church. And I'm going to tell you, the question we're talking about today in our final message in the series is one that was asked really early on. And I saw the question come in and I thought, I'm going to do my best not to answer that question. Because I have editorial control here. You know, we had like 40 questions submitted. We only covered eight of them. So that's only, what, like 20%. That was quick math. Go me. And, and I thought, I'm only going to cover 20% of these. And so we're not going to cover a bunch. And so I wanted to avoid this one. And even after we started this series, we said, hey, submit more questions. Submit more questions. And that was really me saying, I don't want to answer this question. Give me more good questions. And we've covered a lot of stuff. And we talked about hell. That's not a really fun topic to talk about. We talked about the, the problem of evil and suffering in our world, why that exists. We've even talked about women in ministry. What other church touches that question, right? And we did. We talked about it. And here we are now uh, talking about this question. I don't want to, I just didn't want to address it. Are you ready, ready for it? Some of you think it's going to get political. It's like, is Trump the Antichrist? Is Biden the Antichrist? Okay, it's not, it's not a political question at all. And this is the question. How do I find joy and keep it no matter what happens? How do I find joy and keep it no matter what happens? Now, this, this was challenging to me because up until preparing for this message, I don't know if I had a good answer to that. I'm, I'm not someone who's naturally joyful. Some of you are, but very few of you are. Most of you are not naturally joyful people. I'm talking, I say naturally joyful, I'm talking about the people who wake up, get up out of bed, and are just bubbling over with joy. Like you're so excited that your alarm went off at 5.30 just because you have a chance to be alive and awake and sharing your joy with other people at 5 a.m. Some of you are like this and everyone else is annoyed by you at 5 a.m. Right? No one else likes to be around you at 5 a.m. because you're so bubbling over with joy and energy. But the reality of my life is I am not a naturally joyful person. Uh, you see me up on stage. I, there's nothing fake in what I'm doing up here. But throughout the week and even throughout my Sunday afternoon and everything else, I'm, I'm, I kind of sit in this place often of melancholy, a balance of like, hey, life is terrible and hey, life is beautiful. And I'm somewhere right in between, like this nice balance there. And so when I wake up in the morning, my first thought isn't, wow, praise Jesus. I love my life. I love the day. It's usually, ugh. Uh, and I said about for the first 15 minutes of my life, it's just that. That's the only sound I make. Uh, you know? And then I finally wake up and life gets a little bit better. And then I get a little more awake and life gets a little bit better. And, but, but I'm also up and down because there's a lot of things in this world that can cause us not to have joy. I mean, we could just go around the room right now and just name off. In fact, that could be kind of fun. And we had, we had a big like, whiteboard up here. We just started naming all the things, reasons not to have joy. Because my guess is you got a couple. I mean, right? It could be as simple as this. Gas prices are high right now. And you're just like, where's the joy when I got to pay $300 to fill up my truck? You know, maybe that's as simple as that. Or if you're a little more erudite, you wear a monocle, you say, inflation is kind of high right now. Right? So you talk about inflation. I'm talking about gas prices, you know, but maybe it's inflation's high. You're worried about your retirement account and what it's doing to that. Maybe it's as simple as this. Look, over the past uh, two years, year and a half, however long it's been of COVID stuff, you've been, you've been eating, your, uh, eating your sadness out. And so you just kind of put on some weight and you're like, hey, my weight gain has got me feeling down. Okay, maybe it's as simple as that, like too many ice cream cakes and too many trips to Dairy Queen. 
Uh, maybe that's it. That's the problem right there. I went to Dairy Queen the other night and I got the blizzard. It was, it was a mix, amazing cookie dough and Reese's Pieces together uh, in a blizzard. And like, maybe you're living that life with me, okay? And you're like, oh, that's got me down a little bit. There's a whole lot of things. It could be a relationship, right? How many of us, like your joy comes and goes based on the quality of relationships. And when the breakup happens or when that, that close family member is not doing well and you guys aren't doing well, joy just disappears, right? So we have, we have all these things going on. It could be work, a lot of stuff. A lot of reasons not to have joy is the point. Uh, po- politics, right? A lot of reasons not to have joy. Like, no, it doesn't matter who you are. That's not a political statement. It's just, we're all unhappy about politics. It doesn't matter who you are. Like, oh, po- what's going on with that person, that side, that whatever. It's like, we all have reasons to not have joy. And then there's those random things. We live in such a high information culture those random things you read about throughout the week and you're like, that's another reason not to have joy. Like in 2021, there's some lion that got killed this year, some lion that got killed in Africa. I didn't know he existed, but I was sad when he got killed, you know, because like he was this great lion. He had a scar, I think, which made me think of Lion King. And then you think of like all that happened there and you, Simba went through and you just like the joy just disappears when you start thinking about that. Uh, and, then, and then I learned this, like this week, this is what I learned this week. Let me t- anybody here feeling joyful? I'm gonna take it away right now. Uh, there's this, I started reading about asteroids that could hit the earth. And not like, hey, one could, but specific names of ones. We have asteroids named, apparently. And this one, I don't know where the name come from, is Bennu, B-E-N-N-U. You heard it here first, because it could hit, apparently could hit the earth and destroy everything. It'd be like a, a 50 gazillion megaton nuclear bomb went off. That's what it would do to us, right? And uh, you think, oh, probably not likely, right? That's what all the scientists were saying, not likely that Bennu would hit us. And so I'm feeling, okay, I'm, I'm reading the article. I'm feeling good. A little more joy coming back into my life. And then they start giving comparisons of what could happen. They're like, yeah, it's like the chances of Banu hitting us and destroying the world are about the same as like if you were blindfolded and threw a dart at a dartboard and you hit the bullseye. And I thought, I feel like I could probably do that. Right? Like, it doesn't seem too far out of the, the question for me to, to hit the bullseye. And then I started to get a little nervous. They have other examples. The next example is this. Oh, it's, it's about the same likelihood as if you flipped a coin and it landed on heads 11 times in a row. And I thought, man, I'm pretty sure I've done that like at least 10 times in a row. And so suddenly I'm like, Banu could come and totally destroy us. Okay, joy is just evaporating. We have one more example. The last example was, it's like if you picked four, yeah, well, this is sadistic of them. These smart people are trying to make all of us scared. They said it's, it's the same likelihood as if you picked four random people and they all shared the same birthday month. And I was like, well, I think that could happen. Like, I thought I could pick four people, depending on what time of year was nine months before that, like, you know, September 1st, one, anyway, like, depending on what the timeline was there, uh, you could have four people all born in, like, September, for instance. And so, anyway, if you were coming in here joyful today, let me just take some of that joy away and say you could die today because of an asteroid hitting you. Right? And you've seen Armageddon. You see how hard it is to stop that thing, like to plant a nuclear bomb. And it, it's, so this is no joy, okay? So there's a lot of reasons in life not to have joy is the whole, whole point here. Uh, it's not an asteroid or anything else. It's just there's a lot of reasons not to have joy. So in the middle of all of this, how do we find joy and keep it? Um, well, we're going to talk about this today from the Bible. And I want to give a quick definition of joy starting off. What is joy? Joy is just a deep sense of gladness. Nothing, nothing complicated to it. And it's hard for us to find that deep sense of gladness, but it's, it's just that. It's that uh, joy that we can have is a deep sense of gladness. We've all had it. You've had joy at different points. Maybe you're not there right now, but it's something we can have. We're, today to talk about it, we're going to go to a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in Philippi. We know this letter is the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians. We're going to start off in chapter four today. 
Let me give you a little context to what was going on in Philippi. Uh, the church that was there seemed to be really, really struggling at this time. Paul writes in the letter about suffering they were going through. He talks about opponents they had, probably outside the church, that were attacking them and pushing back against them. We don't know the exact nature of it, but it was, it was going on. The other thing we know is that inside of the church, and we're about to read about this, there were people, even leaders, who were fighting and going back and forth and at each other. And Paul says, hey, get along, please. Like you got people on the outside fighting you, people on the inside fighting you, you got suffering going on. Just, just get along and make it work out. And so in the middle of all that, Paul is writing from a place, Paul lives in currently, when he's writing this, in a prison. Paul is in Rome in a prison. So Paul's writing from a prison to a bunch of people who are suffering, a bunch of people who are struggling, a bunch of people who are fighting. And what is his main message? 16 times in this short letter, he uses the word joy or rejoice. 16 times in this short little letter because he wants the people to understand, he wants himself to understand that we need to, we must, we can have joy. So if you have your Bibles, Philippians chapter four, we're gonna start in verse one of that chapter. This is what Paul says. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia, that's a person's name, Lord, helper. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Sintike, it's also a lady, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And then here's, here's a real key verse for us today. Verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says here, rejoice. And it's not a suggestion and it's not a nice thought. It's actually a command. Paul is telling us to rejoice. He says, you must rejoice. Rejoice, and he says, right, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, I don't know about you, this challenges me. How do you always rejoice in the Lord? Because I get rejoicing for a while, but how do you do it always? Because it's good up until you realize an asteroid's about to destroy the earth, or up until you realize that you know, your family member was treating you in a certain way, or up until you realize your friend talked about you negatively behind your back, or up until the point when you ate too many ice cream cakes and you put on too much weight, and now you gotta go on a workout plan, right? Then your joy disappears. How do we rejoice in the Lord always? And he doesn't just say it once, he repeats this again. You know, Paul was writing with a scribe. So Paul was writing and the scribe was writing it all down or Paul was speaking. The scribe was writing it down. And I can, I can imagine he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And the scribe was like, oh, say it again louder for the people in the back. And so Paul says, I'll say it again. Rejoice, rejoice. And he's commanding us. Now look, here's where I'm at. I, I have spent uh, 28 years on this planet and I have yet to figure out how to fully control my emotions. Anybody else with me? Anybody, maybe some of you have. You have ascended. You've reached this point of transcendence where you can control everything you feel, but I'm, I'm a dubious still have a pulse if you're at that point. So Paul says, hey, have this deep sense of gladness all the time. And you're like, okay, Paul, that sounds good. How, right? How do I rejoice always? And this is why I didn't want to preach this message today because I, I really had to wrestle through the Bible to come to an understanding of how do we do that? And the key is found in the phrase we've already read, rejoice in the Lord always. The key is not rejoice in always, it's in the Lord. 
Rejoice in the Lord. What does in the Lord mean? Sometimes we say these phrases. You know, anybody grow up in Sunday school and you sang that song? Rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. Anybody? Few people here. Few people are like, it was speaking, that, that was speaking to you. It's like that lullaby your mom sang, you, sang to you before you were even aware of it, you know, and it, it just speaks deeply to your soul, like from Tangled, right? That's, I'm, I was making a Tangled reference without even realizing it right there. It just spoke to your soul. Rejoice in the Lord always. In the Lord is the key here. What does that mean? It means rejoice in the relationship you have with Jesus. The word Lord here is referring to Jesus. Rejoice in the relationship you have with Jesus. Rejoice in what Jesus has done. Rejoice in who Jesus is. And if you're focused on Jesus and not your problem, you can do it all the time. Here, here's, here's the definition of joy. We're going to expand it out. It's a deep sense of gladness that is given by Jesus. And so if you're talking about Christian joy, obviously anyone can have joy, okay? So I'm not saying uh, non-Christians can't have joy. But I'm saying if you want to have a biblical sense of joy where you rejoice always, it's a deep sense of gladness that is given by Jesus. In John chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus is teaching his disciples and he says, I'm saying these things to you so that your joy may be complete and my joy may be in you. There's a level at which the reality of Jesus living and dying and who he is and what he has done, and then if we trust in him, what that actually does to us means that we can have joy all the time because we're focused on that and not ourselves. I, like what we're, we're told is focus on like find joy within yourself. Have you ever heard that? I Googled some articles on how to find joy this week. That's how I did my sermon prep. How to find joy, okay? I, I Googled that. And it all pretty much starts off with like, don't let anything outside of you give you joy. Just find it inside of yourself. And look, y'all, I've, I've looked inside myself. And, I, and there's not a lot of joy just like bouncing around in there waiting to be uncovered. Like there's not just like a lot of joy there. It's, 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 not, it's very like joyless actually on my own. So, so I know that doesn't work out very well. So the, if you want to have joy, Paul's telling us, rejoice in the Lord. In other words, here's, here's a really simple way of thinking about it. Focus on Jesus, on who he is, on what he has done, and on what that means for you if you're a follower of his. Think about that. Focus on him. Think about what that would look like every day. Uh, Paul actually, earlier in Philippians, uh, he, he writes to them and he says, hey, rejoice. In fact, he does this several times. In chapter three, verse one, he says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. He says it again in, in chapter four, verse four. He says it again in chapter four, verse 10. I rejoice, talking about himself, in the Lord greatly. And so the, the, the key for Paul to rejoicing is for that rejoicing to be in the Lord. But earlier in this, in this letter he wrote, in chapter two, verses five through 11, Paul writes what's known as the Christ hymn. And I think why he's doing this is because he knows the Philippians need joy. He knows that the two fighting, Euodia and Syntyche, these two ladies, need joy. And so he wants to focus them on Jesus. And so Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11 is the most, the most well-known, most famous passage from Philippians. And it goes like this. Have this mind among you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in his very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. And being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." So Paul's, Paul spends this time at the beginning of his letter saying, okay, I'm gonna be writing about joy. Let me tell the people of Philippi why we can have joy. 
It's because we had a God who became man who died for us, and then he rose from the dead, which is weird, and a weird thing to believe, but we believe it, rose again from the dead, and is now sitting at the right hand of the Father, and we worship him. That's why we can have joy. So this is what I do. Again, I'm not, I'm not naturally a joyful person. Some of you are like, oh, he's not our pastor's not a joyful person. Like, I'm sorry, I'm just real, okay? I, I'm, I'm often, most days, not naturally joyful. But here's what I do. Most days on the way to work, I have, I have a little speech I give myself. Anybody else do this? I've given it to myself so much, I've written it down, and I say the same thing to myself every day. That's how boring and consistent I am, okay? So here's the speech. Here's, I won't give the whole thing to you if you want it. I'll, I'll do a performance for you later. But here's, here's how it starts off, and it goes like this. And this is going to be weird. This is, this is letting you into my life a little bit, right? This is, imagine me driving in my little 2007 Toyota Corolla, bleary-eyed, on the way to work with, with some oatmeal in my hand, trying to eat it while I drive, okay? That's, that's how unsafe I am. And here's what I say. It starts off like this. I am a son of God and a co-heir with Jesus, redeemed, transformed, and called. My primary purpose is to make disciples. Now, when you start off your day, bleary-eyed, eating oatmeal, driving down Old Canton Road in Jackson to your work, and you start off and you recognize the truth, I am a son of God and a co-heir with Jesus. That changes how your day looks. It changes it. Because let me tell you what, I'm not just Elijah anymore, I'm Elijah Friedman, son of God co-heir with Jesus. And that's, that's the reality that the Bible tells us because Jesus died for us. And if we trust in him, that's, that's the reality. I'm not making that up, by the way. I'm not saying like, um, um, the, the Bible says, if, if all who believe in Jesus are sons of God. And so that's the reality I live in. So that's how you have joy, is you focus on Jesus. Joy is this deep sense of gladness given to us by Jesus. And so what you need to hear if you're not feeling joyful is probably not, hey, Look inside, you're gonna be okay, you're great. You know what, you might not be great right now. Like maybe life's hit you hard, you're not great right now, and looking inside might not help, but looking to Jesus will. Because it reorients your life, it takes you outside of yourself and reorients you on Jesus. So here, that's the first level, right? How do, you, how do you get joy, how do you find joy and keep it no matter what happens? Is you focus on Jesus every single day. You let Jesus be the focus. This is why like, reading your Bible and praying and memorizing scripture are so important is because they keep Jesus at the center of your life. So joy is this deep sense of gladness that is given by Jesus as we focus on him, as we look to him, as we think about him, as we think about our relationship with him and work on that. If you don't have joy, start there. There's a next level to it though. And the next level I'll tell you that I want to show you in, in the letter to the, the Philippians where it shows up is that joy is a deep sense of gladness given by God and experienced in community. So joy is actually experienced in community. Let me show you where we see that in Philippians. We actually see it uh, back in the very first verse of what we read, chapter four, verse one. Paul says, therefore, my brothers whom I love and I long for, and then he calls them my joy and crown. Now, let me, let me be honest. Next, last time I was hanging out with the dudes, I wasn't like, yo, my joy, my crown. I, I didn't say that to them, right? Uh, that's a little weird. It's like, it's, it gets even weirder if you put the word little before it, my little joy, my little crown. That's just, if you're a dude, maybe ladies, you can get away with that. We guys can't, okay? But he says my joy and my crown. In other words, the, 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 in, sitting in prison, Paul's joy could not be in his circumstances. Probably like your joy can't be because your life's up and down. But his joy could be in what Jesus was doing in these people hundreds of miles away. 
that Jesus was doing something in them and Paul had been able to be a part of that. So his joy didn't reside only in Christ. His joy was in what Jesus was doing in other people. And, and you see multiple times, in fact, let's, let's flip back to chapter two. Uh, chapter two, verse 17, Paul says, look, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, in other words, if I might die, I'm doing it to, to honor the Lord and bring you to salvation. He says this, even if I'm to do that, I'm glad and I rejoice with y'all. I rejoice with y'all. Then he says, likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. There, there's a level at which your joy and rejoicing in your life comes from relationship with other people. Let me show you another place, still in chapter two where this shows up. Epaphroditus was coming back. He was with Paul. Paul was sending him back to the Philippians. And it says in verse 28, Paul says, I'm more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. So Paul says, I'm sending this guy back to you and I want you to rejoice because you're seeing him. I want you to have joy when you see him. There's a level at which you will not have the joy always that you can have when you're doing it on your own. Now here, this is where the, the, the truth of scripture comes right up against the reality of our lives. If you've had a long day and you're not feeling joy, would you rather go hang out with a bunch of people who probably are feeling joy? Or would you rather go hang out with your best friends, Jim and Pam, and watch The Office? Which is the greatest TV show in the history of mankind. Parks and Rec, get out of here. Friends, get out of here. I had some people come to me afterwards and said, MASH is the best show. And I thought, MASH? What is this? 1873? Come on. Like, Office is the best show. So let, let, me, let me tell you how I, how I enjoy spending uh, my time. Um, it's not with you. It's with myself. Watching The Office, and then, and then here's, here's what I do. I, I, lo I love to go to Domino's. And I order online, and I go, it's piping hot, and I'm there, and I pick it up. And I picked it up the other day. I got myself a full Domino's large pizza, three-topping pizza. And the guy said, the guy handed it to me, he said, look at it. He was so proud of his pizza. And I looked at it, and I said, it looks good, man. He said, next time I'll say, it looks good, my little joy. And then I'm going to drive on when I see it, you know? But so, so I, I, get, I get a pizza, though, a large pizza, and it's, it's three-topping, large three-topping pizza for $7.99 at Domino's all the time. This message is sponsored by Domino's. Why would you go to Papa John's when you get a $7.99 large three-topping pizza? So I used to get sausage and pepperoni and bacon on it, uh, which is amazing and manly. And then I realized I actually enjoy, though, more cheese. And so now I get pepperoni and feta cheese mm, and a little Parmesan Asiago cheese on it as well. And so I get that. So I take my full pizza, and do I go find friends to share it with? Absolutely not. I go home, I sit down by myself, and I eat the full large pizza by myself. And it's an amazing night. And it doesn't bring joy to my life. And here's the reality. We, we want the path of least resistance in our lives, but the path of least resistance does not bring joy. Paul's clear here. How do we find joy? It's by focusing on Jesus and who we are in him, how we have been saved and redeemed and transformed and called. We're co-heirs now. We're sons and daughters of God now. That's the reality of your life. But it should be expressed and experienced in community with other people. We should join together. And, and here's, here's what you often want. A community is so good for you. It's, it's, it's good for me. I just don't want to think about it like this way because we're pretty naturally self-centered, right? Or let's go, everybody else is self-centered. You might not be. Everybody else is obviously self-centered. And in real community, you cannot stay self-centered. Here's what I mean. 
If you stay self-centered, you always want to talk about yourself and focus on yourself, then two, one of two things will happen. You'll get frustrated that the rest of your community isn't just all wrapped up in your problems and that's everything they want to talk about and you'll leave the community, that happens a lot. Or your community will get annoyed that you're so wrapped up in your problems and they will leave you. One of those two things will happen. So to stay in real community means you have to look outside yourself and that is where you find joy. What you need a lot more than someone to listen to your problems is someone who can refocus you when you're at your lowest on the excellencies of Jesus and how your problems pale in comparison to how amazing Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh is and what he has done for you changed your life in a lot bigger way than how your bad week has changed your life. You need friends who can look at you and say, I'm tired of hearing that, let's talk about Jesus. And that will bring a lot more joy to your life than simply going on and on about your problems or even a Domino's large three-topping pizza. Jesus, let me just say this theological statement, is better than a large Domino's three-topping pizza. Joy comes in community. We understand this. I mean, any time from like four-year-old girls' soccer all the way up to the World Series, which is going on right now, about to start between the Braves and the Astros, any time someone wins a championship, they celebrate like crazy. You know this, right? Like the only time you have piles of grown men jumping on top of each other is, is when in baseball, when they win, you know, when they win the championship, they win the World Series. And it's like any other time, imagine it. Imagine if, because uh, when, when teammates celebrate, they do crazy stuff, right? It's great and it's, it's wonderful and they slap each other and kiss each other and punch each other and run around and lift each other up and they dump Gatorade on people. Grown men dump Gatorade on other grown men and just weird stuff happens. Imagine if you got a job promotion and you were celebrating like that for yourself. In the job, your boss is like, hey, I'm moving you up, I'm promoting you a level, I'm promoting to manager or whatever. And you're like, and you jump and you do a dog pile on yourself and you get the coffee pot and you dump the coffee pot on yourself and you run around and you're high-fiving yourself and jumping up and down. Everyone will think you are insane. You will immediately get demoted and probably fired, right? But, but in community, it all makes sense. Joy comes in community. It's like watching. In anything, what's, like, what's your favorite comedy series to watch, your favorite comedian to watch? I can watch those things by myself. They can be hilarious. And I'm watching it by myself and I will not crack a smile. I'm like the most boring person ever. It'll be funny. It'll be hilarious. And if I'm by myself, no laughter. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's, that's, that's a good point. That's, that's a funny joke. But if you put me with like Cody here and Steven here and we're watching it, I will be dying laughing. Why? Because there's joy that comes in community. Now that's true at every level, at a superficial level like comedy. It's, it's much deeper and much truer in the sense of Christian community. Because the, the way Paul writes about it, is that joy is a deep sense of gladness that's given by Jesus and experienced in community. And in order to have that kind of joy where you're rejoicing always, you need people around you who will support you and love you, who will show you Jesus, and who will refocus you when you're getting off track to remember who Jesus is, what he has done, and who you are in Jesus. So here's how I want to wrap up today. If you're here and you're not experiencing joy, I want you to think about why that is. I think a lot of us could say, man, you know, there's some times of joy, but, but I'm not abiding and remaining in this joy. If that's the case, why is that? Because the expectation of the Bible is that you can always be in this place of joy. You can remain in this place of joy. So if you're not remaining in this place of joy, why is that? It's not, it's not the Bible's fault. It actually, the responsibility for it rests with us. 
And it rests with us in two ways. One, we need to focus on Jesus every single day. If joy is given by Jesus and by knowing him and being close to him, we need to focus on Jesus every single day. Focus on who he is, what he has done, who we are in him. We need to drive our little 2007 Toyota Corollas to work and say, I'm a son of God and I'm a co-heir with Jesus and I'm redeemed and transformed and called. And the second level is, if you're doing that, if you're focusing on Jesus, reading your Bible every day, then you need to be in community, and in a community that, that pushes you and challenges you, that loves you, that supports you, that celebrates with you, that allows you to get, get outside of yourself. And for Paul, he could be sitting in prison, writing to people who are suffering and who are struggling, and he could say, we can rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say it, rejoice. And the same is true for us. We can rejoice in the Lord always. I didn't want to preach on this, this whole topic, but I'm, but I'm glad this question was asked because it has led me to a deeper understanding of how to live and remain in joy in my life. And I hope it does the same for you. Joy is a deep sense of gladness given by Jesus and experienced in community.